Welcome to this audio mission prayer focus from CMS, Church Mission Society. I'm Mike Stranks and I'll be with you for the next 20 minutes or so to introduce you to three people involved in sharing Jesus and changing lives. Cristobal Saron is a Latin partner working in Chile. He was in the UK recently for, amongst other things, the Adelante Conference about all things South America in CMS, and there he was the principal speaker. At the conference, Sarah Holmes took the opportunity for a conversation with Cristobal where she asked him about the work he's involved in. There's a local church that I've been planting for, for uh, since three years ago. Uh, we, at the beginning, there were seven people being part of this church planting team, and today there are about 60 to 65 people gathering every Sunday, which has been an enormous encouragement for us. There's a growing community. People are um, coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ, and um, mainly young professionals that are trying to know how to live their lives, their future lives, and how to be Christians in their workplaces, with their families. There's a lot of pastoral ministry going on. There's a lot of um, premarital counseling and also a lot of thinking, how can we be a church for the new generation of Chileans? And the people that go to your church, what would they have done if they hadn't met you or hadn't been introduced to church through your initiative? My deep conviction is that people come to know the Lord Jesus through the proclamation of the gospel. And so we're working hard on that, where we want to tell the story of Jesus to people so that they may come to know Christ. I myself feel that it is a privilege for me to be part of what God is doing in downtown Santiago, serving other people. And do you have one strong story of someone you've seen that they've been put on a road to transformation? I always have in mind this this couple that came to in the first year of our church planting um, project. They came to the church looking for a better marriage, asking God to have a, a good family. And because God was taking a bit long, she didn't like the church and she went away, but he got converted. And so she didn't want anything else, anything to do with the church. And, but we began discipling him. And so I would meet with him for lunch. And we'd encourage him to serve his wife and love her and pray for her to be Christ-like. And after a year, her mother was diagnosed with cancer. That moment became a, 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 cr- a critical thing for her. She realized that the, ch- the local church, our local church, was praying for her and for the mother. She decided f- that she was going to be open for us to be praying for her. So I, I went to visit the mother, and um, the mother was converted to Christ. One day, after, uh, I think a, a week after that, somebody from her job asked her what was going on in mm. her life. And in the school, in in the university in which she was working, um, this Christian man prayed for her and she got converted at two o'clock in the office. And for me, it was an important moment because she called me by phone after that 
And she said to me, you know, Chris, I know Jesus Christ. I've, I'm being converted. I love him and I want to serve him. And I, 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 I know that he loves me. And that for me was a critical thing. Now she, she, she became a Christian and Christ was able to give her the strength to carry on in the process of the disease of her mother. And so when, when the mother was um, in the last day, this woman called me she said, to, to be with them. I could see her holding her head and say, don't worry, ma'am, you'll be with Jesus, everything will be fine. And that for me, that image of her encouraging her own mother um, after being so opposite to the gospel and to the church was a tremendous thing for me. Say, thank you, Lord. This is a privilege for me to see now a daughter giving hope to her own mother about the gospel and taking her um, with, yeah, in a way to Jesus' son with, um, with, in that last breathing. And that's a beautiful story for us. She now has become a huge evangelist with her husband. They both are working for marriages to serve new couples and they are a joyful. Christobal Saron sharing the story of the life-changing difference that Jesus has made to someone who's part of his church. Let's give thanks for the work that Christobal and others have established and the way that people are being blessed and transformed through the church's ministry. Jeremy Woodham recently met with Jane, we won't give her full name, who's involved in inspiring education work in villages in Pakistan. They began by talking about how this had all started. I found somebody who'd I'd met actually quite early on and he'd had a vision for many years to bring education to his village. Um, he'd had a very transformational, I suppose life-changing experience when he was at school, when he was 10 and he um, came first position in his class when he went up on the stage to collect his cup from the head teacher, he refused to shake his hand because he was a member of the Beale cast, a non-scheduled cast. As a result of that experience, he was determined that he would change the situation for his community, that other people would not be treated in the way he had. And his father said to him, you are my only son and you must change the destiny of our people. And so from that time, he was determined to continue in his studies and to put himself uh, in such a position that he would be able to indeed change the destiny of his people. So um, he became a teacher. He became and worked, um, as I said, in one of the other diocesan schools. But he shared with me his vision. And so we agreed that we would start two schools, one in his village and one in a fairly nearby village uh, where relatives uh, of his also lived. And so the Village Leap School um, or Village Leap programme began and, um, and his was the first school we opened. We determined from the start that we wanted to go for quality, not quantity. We wanted to build very strong foundations, be clear about the values and the principles on which we wanted to base this project, build up um, a team of people who would have the same core values. 
Um, and so we went slowly and carefully to begin with. But the result has been that now we have 84 schools and we have 30 of those 84 that are able to support themselves, which means they're able to cover the running costs, they have a local management committee to run the school, and they're able to pay the salary of the teacher themselves. Now, that's incredible progress, it sounds like, for given that desire you just mentioned to start small and maintain the quality. You've gone from two schools to 84 schools in, what, the last 11, 10, 11 years, mm. 10 years. That's fantastic. You mentioned the Village Leap programme. Mm. Better just remind people what that stands for. All right. So LEAP stands for Literacy and Education Awareness Programme. And you also talked about the core vision and values that you mm. wanted all your teachers and workers to hold dear. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a bit of what mm. those are? Mm. Well, first of all, we didn't want to make dependent communities because long-term that is not going to benefit them and people don't come to the table with an empty bucket. Um, they have gifts, um, they have experience um, which they can use and it was our, we saw our role as facilitating the people, increasing their skills but helping them to achieve the vision that they have for their communities. So we wanted to have a training programme that would use local people, not shipping people in from the town to teach in the rural areas. People who um, had a vision for their communities would be committed and themselves wanted to improve their own skills and their own educational attainments. So we had quite a tall order in the beginning in that our teachers were basically sons of farmers with very limited education. They had a basically secondary qualification but they were all from government schools where we have memorization rote learning so the training program it was devised through my master's program my final dissertation was really creating this model for training these young farmers um, to be able to be teachers and to open a school Jane from Pakistan explaining something of the tremendous work that she and others have been able to achieve in bringing education to the villages of part of Pakistan. We can give thanks for what's been achieved, the way that this work has grown and prospered, for the lives that have been changed, and ask that God's guiding hand will continue to be with those involved as they seek to move forward under his direction. From Pakistan to South Korea. Johnny Baker, CMS's pioneer leadership team leader, is recently back from Seoul, where he spent a week explaining and discussing the concept of pioneering and fresh expressions of church. When I met Johnny, I asked him about the Anglican Church in South Korea. Yeah, the Anglican Church is very small. The Diocese of Seoul was where I was visiting. I think it has about 50 churches, so yeah, really is small. Um, I mean, the percentage of people in Korea who are Christian is about 25%, and then there's about 25% Buddhist. Um, so the church is, is big there, but yeah, the Anglican Church is newer and smaller. And how did people react to what you were talking about? Well, I mean, the impression I got, and I was only there for a week, is that the um, 
the Anglican Church there's quite traditional um, and certainly, for example, the, the bishop I met was saying that when they visited churches in England, they were surprised how free they were in their worship. You know, they weren't by the book. But I think, although it's the other side of the world, they find in Anglican churches they're quite traditional. So it's a globalised culture, the city of souls, 25 million people. So younger people are not particularly attracted to that sort of church. So I think they're aware that they need to think differently to see some change so yeah I, I did various things talking about what's happening here and pioneering I mean I was quite keen to stress not to copy what we do but to you know learn from some of the insights and apply them in their own context but yeah I think that was I think that was well received so was there any yes we really get this or was there also perhaps um not really sure what this is all about. Um, yeah, I think there are both of those reactions. I mean, in a way, you get both of those reactions here, to be honest. But um, one of the things I was doing, which really was the main thing, was a three-day retreat. Uh, it was at a Franciscan centre for about 25 leaders in the church there. And there were people there from the Board of Mission and Education in the diocese and then church leaders actually from all four of the dioceses in Korea. And, I mean, I, I had to do a lot of sessions and was being translated all the time, so it was quite intense. But I felt a breakthrough came on the second day in the afternoon when I... I talked about pioneering and the gift that that is and how that's an important gift, even though it can be a difficult gift um, in the church. I basically said with this group of about 25 leaders, you know, uh, who here identifies with this gift? Who thinks they are a pioneer in that way? And there were eight people there that said that they did. And I got them to sit in a circle in the middle of the room with everyone else around the outside um, and to share their stories. And there were a few tears and it was very, you know, it was very uh, emotional. What, I mean, for example, one woman shared her story of how difficult she'd found it in leadership in the church, but she was wanting to connect with people outside of the church. And after she'd shared her story, one of the people sat around the outside, shouted out spontaneously, I approve you a pioneer, and everybody started cheering. <laughs> Which was, a, you know, it was a great moment. It, it felt like a, an acknowledgement of the gift that was there and an encouragement, but it was great that the other people there were saying, yeah, we can see you've got this gift. And encouragingly, without me saying this is what you need to do, They've agreed to meet together, the first meeting of, I guess, a network of pioneers or, I mean, fresh expressions. There are hardly any fresh expressions. There's a church that probably you could recognise as something new and different, but they're not many things like that. Um, so for me, that's exciting because straight away they wanted to put something in place where we need to build on this, take this forward. Um, I then had breakfast with the bishop on the last morning and he was enthusiastic and I think it's important that you have people in the structures, as it were, who have the will and will create the space for the new alongside the old. We also talked about the possibility of some people coming over here to see some things, maybe doing something with us by way of training, like a residential week, um, 
So we're yet to see how that develops. But I mean, because CMS has an office in Korea, I think there'll be ongoing toing and froing. And I think it's that what we call in CMS transcultural um, relationship that, that hopefully will mean that what has happened can grow in some way. Johnny Baker was telling me about his recent trip to Seoul in South Korea to talk about fresh expressions of church and pioneering ministries. Let's give thanks for a productive time and for those who've been inspired to create a network of like-minded individuals with a passion for reaching out and engaging with people in new ways. We can also pray that the links that have been established with Johnny at CMS will develop and grow. Now here's Mark Berry, who is CMS's Community Mission Facilitator, with this month's reflection. In Jeremiah's letter to the captives, in chapter 29, the prophet passes on what must have been a heartbreaking instruction to those living in exile in Babylon. Seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive, and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. Of course, their dream was to escape this foreign land and return to a place where they felt safe and secure, the place they considered their home. But God's challenge to them was to stay put and instead become a blessing to Babylon, to become a people for the place in which they found themselves. Listening to the first two interviews today, we could get seduced by these success stories. And they are wonderful examples of God's blessing, of growth. They are testaments to God's faithfulness and grace. But if we listen carefully, we hear a resonance with the words of Jeremiah. Both Christabel and Jane talk about the same call, the same reality, that it is only when the church is a blessing to the community, that it is blessed. That the purpose of God's church is to love and serve, and so doing, make the name of Jesus known beyond its walls. Archbishop William Temple said, The church is the only organisation that exists for the well-being and fraternity of its non-members. I think his words would find resonance for both Cristobal in Chile and Jane in Pakistan. So perhaps as we pray for the mission of God's church in the world, we should also ask God to help us to bless those whom we live amongst. And that reflection from Mark Berry brings us to the end of this CMS Audio Mission Prayer Focus for August 2013. I'm Mike Stranks and I'll be here again next month with more news from CMS mission partners and associates serving God around the world.